This is a special episode of Rhythms of Grace, where we celebrate Jason's 50th birthday, and he brings a great encouragement about following Jesus. If you'd like to connect with us, please visit gatewaybaptist.com.au. All right, we are going to finish this uh, Rhythm of Life series a little differently to what I was planning to a few weeks ago. Matthew 11 says this, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. There are some, some rhythms of grace that as we rest with Jesus, as we walk in his grace, we will, you know, we will recover our lives. He will restore our hearts. I've loved what God is doing in this series. Just a couple of weeks ago, I felt God put a message in my heart. Now, what would it look like to, what are the important rhythms of life? What are the important rules of life in both halves of life? On my 50th birthday, you know, as I look back and, I, and I, I look at the last 50 years, what are some of the rhythms of life of following Jesus that I think have been really valuable in the last 50 years? And as I look towards, you know, those that are in the second half of life, 50 to 100, now I'm calling them the two halves of life, hands up if you're 50 to 100, you know, I've joined the old crew, hands up if you're zero to 50, all right, I was with you up until today, and and now, what does it look like, different rhythms of life in both halves of life? I'm praying today. This is my prayer. That at the end, if you're zero to 50, you'll just have one thing that God's spoken to you through his word, and we can pray a blessing over you. If you're 50 to 100, there might be something that God just speaks to you about. Say, I want to put that into practice. I want to make that a rhythm of my life uh, in this second half of life. I'm going to go fairly rapid fire, hopefully, but I'll probably still ignore the clock. First, I want to start for the zero to 50s, five, five rhythms, five uh, rules of life. Firstly, keep getting amazed by grace. Ephesians 2 verse 8 said, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift. Can everyone say gift? Yeah. It is a gift from God. It means you didn't do anything to earn it. Uh, it means you didn't deserve it. It is a gift. You know, I grew up in Sydney in a really great church that preached about grace. I've got great parents that are here today who modeled for me grace. You know, I drove my dad's first four-wheel drive into the Pacific Ocean. I, I rolled his second four-wheel drive down the Hume Highway. And when he got his third four-wheel drive, he lent it to me in the first week that he had it. You could call that stupidity or grace. Even with that, I still didn't get grace. I actually grew up, you know, thinking Christianity was a balancing act. That if I could do enough good things, it would outweigh the bad things, and hopefully I would end up in favor with God. Hopefully I'd end up in a situation where God was pleased with me. You know, but I was tired and worn out on religion. Like, like Jesus talks about, he offers us something totally different. When I was 19, 
In Susan's infinite wisdom, she forced me to go on a camp I didn't really want to go on. And I got there, and the first night, as they were doing communion by candlelight, I fell asleep. And while I was asleep, the guy leading the camp said, uh, for the next 12 hours, we're going to stay silent. We're not going to talk to anybody. But I fell asleep. I, I, I didn't hear him say that. And so I'm talking to all these people, you know, that uh, I've never met before, and none of them were talking back. And I'm thinking, Susan has sent me on a camp with the rudest people in all of Australia. And then it got worse. The next, the next three days, there was 15 talks, all right, 15 sermons. And after each one, this is where it really got bad, you had to reenact it somehow. You actually had to act it out. You, you had to draw it. You, you had to sing it. Or you had to dance it. It was purgatory. But somehow, in the midst of all that, I got grace for the first time in my life. I actually understood for the first time in my life that there was nothing I could do to actually make God love me more. And there was nothing I was ever going to do in the future that was going to stop him loving me. He just loved me unconditionally undeserved, unmerited favor of God. The grace of God is amazing and it's transforming. It changed me. And the more that you get grace, the more in this first half of life you just keep getting amazed by grace, the more grace you'll have to give to the people around you. His grace is amazing and it's transforming. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And we've got no less days to sing God's praise than when they first began. It is good news. His grace is amazing. Keep getting amazed by grace. How? I want to give you just, just one practical thing in each of these rules of life. How do we keep getting amazed by grace? Keep gazing at the cross. Just keep gazing at the cross. There's a reason throughout history that, that people have put crosses in their homes. People have painted it for centuries, hung masterpieces of the cross. Keep gazing at the cross of Jesus Christ. Amazing love. What sacrifice that he should die for me. Keep seeing yourself, your sins getting placed upon his shoulders. You didn't deserve it. You can never earn it. It is an amazing gift from God offered to every single person you will ever lock eyes with. Keep getting amazed by grace. Secondly, uncover your unchanging identity. Well, one of the things that's really fun growing up is we actually try on all different identities, particularly through adolescence. We kind of try try on different identities. When I was 13, you know, it was all about the baggy green cap. You know, I, I was obsessed with cricket. 
It was all about belting a cricket ball, you know, around uh, the backyard. As I got a little bit older, I was 14, I became obsessed with rugby and it was all about belting other people, you know, whenever, you know, I, I had the chance to try on all these different identities. You know, I was 15, I was going to become a world champion surfer and it was all peace, love and mug and beans and combi vans. You know, I was 16, I got no idea how this happened, but I, I sort of became obsessed with V8 Falcons, they were all over my wall, colour of the beanie changed and started wearing blue singlets. The, the crazy thing is, my first car a year later was a 1.3 litre Toyota Corolla. But, you know, for a time, you know, it was, it was all about, you know, V8 uh, Falcons and then I was 17. You know, my life just completely revolved around this pretty young girl named Susan and she bought me this shirt. And I put it on. I used to wear it everywhere. And I'm colorblind. But even I can tell this is Technicolor vomit. <laughs> you know, it is one of the fun things about growing up. We, we try on different identities. But if you choose to place your identity in something that you can lose, whether it be position, power, pleasure, possessions, even a person. If you choose to place your identity in something that you can lose, when you lose it, you'll be lost. When you lose it, you'll be lost. See, the, the thing that, that I think is really important in this first season of life, uh, as we are, you know, kind of trying on different identities, is that we begin to find our unchanging identity that can never be lost in God, in Christ. Now, I, I turned 50 today. Uh, my son, Joey, whom I love, turned 21 last month. But I've got to be honest, when he was two, I wondered, why do I love this kid? You know, he'd wake me up in the morning, pull my eyelids back, and, uh, you know, at 3 o'clock in the morning, tell me to, 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 to wake up. And if that didn't wake me up, he'd poke me in the eyes and say, Wiggles, I have to go out and watch the, the, the Wiggles with him. And when I left him out there on the beanbag, he'd, he'd uh, go through the pantry and empty it all over the floor. When I put a lock on the pantry door, you know, he would empty the bin and go eating out of the bin. But the morning, the morning I wondered, why do I love this kid so much? It was the morning I woke up, he's brushing my hair and he just started to brush my teeth and I opened my eyes and he's got the toilet brush in his hands. There's little bits of poo and paper stuck in my teeth. I'm sitting on the end of the bed just sort of picking it out. I'm going, why do I love this kid? And I realised there's three very simple reasons. Firstly, he looks a little bit like me and that's cool. Secondly, and I won't give you any more details, but I had something to do with making him. And thirdly, he's mine. And what I understood sitting on the end of the bed that morning is that we've got a Father in heaven who looks at us exactly the same way. And even when we've been playing around in the toilet of sin, he says those things, those words to us, and they are un changing. You look a little bit like him. Genesis 1 verse 27, you are created in his image, male and female. You look a little bit like him. He had something to do with making you. 
Psalm 139, he knits you together in your mother's womb. All that he has made is, is wonderful. And he ordained all the days for you before one of them came to be. He had something to do with making you. And lastly, you belong to him if you've got faith in Jesus Christ. 1 John 3 verse 1, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what you are. That's your identity. If you've got faith in Jesus Christ, you have an identity that is unchanging. You can never lose it. It can never be taken from you. Can I encourage all of you in the first half of life, uncover your unchanging identity. Something really practical you can do. It's going to sound hard, but it's doable. You could do it in a, most people could do it in four to six weeks. Memorize Ephesians chapter one. You're chosen. You're adopted into sonship and daughtership. You're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. He's poured out his love into your life and heart. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. And every time it says in Christ can never be taken from you. Memorize Ephesians chapter 1. Number three, receive power for purpose. I love the way right throughout the Gospels, you know, Jesus calls ordinary people and gives them power to do extraordinary things. He's walking along the beach, you know, three young fishermen, and we get to see in the Gospels all the things that they didn't understand, they didn't have their life together, and yet he says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Three, three years later, standing on the side of the hill with those three and, and, and eight others, and he says to them, you are my plan to change this broken world. Go and make disciples of all nations, you know, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you always. But firstly, he says, wait, don't go anywhere, don't do anything until power from on high comes upon you. Then you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls on men and women, on young people and old people. It says young men will see visions. I've been having visions for the last 49 years. Old men will dream dreams. I'm hoping I start dreaming dreams tonight. Young and old, rich and poor, male and female, the Holy Spirit comes down and gives them power to fulfill an eternal purpose. You know, throughout the generations, we've marveled at superheroes. You know, ordinary people that actually get transformed with power to actually overcome evil with good. These days, it's Marvel, but back in my day, it was the Justice League. And they had different powers. Superman, faster than a speeding bullet. Wonder Woman, super speed, super stamina, and a lasso of truth. She could lasso a man and he would be forced to tell the truth. Any ladies in the room want one of those? Just a quick show. <laughs> lasso of truth. Batman, what were his superpowers? 
didn't really have any. He uh, had a really cool utility belt, and he was rich, so not, not too bad. But, but all of them, different skills, different power, but they got one thing in common. They all wore their undies on the outside. <laughs> I just want to encourage you today, if you've got faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit has come upon your life. It is time to put your undies on the outside. Ordinary people with undies on the outside, filled with extraordinary power to fulfill God's eternal purposes. You're not waiting for anything. You're not in that 40 days between, you know, the ascension of Christ and the coming of the Spirit. They had to wait. We're not waiting. The Holy Spirit has come upon us and we have power to fulfill the purposes of God. We're all different gifts in this room. I just saw a flash go off. Don't put it on Facebook, please. (laughs) All different gifts, but the same Spirit lives within us. Can I encourage you, first half of life, doesn't matter how young you are, how inexperienced you are, the Holy Spirit is on your life. He's given you power to fulfill purpose. Put your undies on the outside. It's probably easier if you're online this morning in your own lounge room. Can I just go and get a pair? Put them on. (laughs) Better idea, all of us. Just simply surrender daily to Jesus. Just every day, at some point in your day. Just say, Jesus, less of me and more of you. I give you my heart. I give you my mind and let him come and fill you with power. Simple prayer every day. Surrender daily. Less of me, more of you. Number four is completely forgotten. Build a foundation of firsts. Now Jesus' famous sermon He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Don't worry about what you'll eat, what you'll wear, where you'll live. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added unto you. You read that and we all kind of know that verse. Sometimes it feels overwhelming. Where where do we start? How, How do you start actually making Jesus first in everything you do? Can I, can I just give you just, just three simple foundations this morning? They're not the only ways that we make him first, but three really simple things. If you will build this, build this uh, like a foundation of first in your life, there'll be a blessing that flows. Firstly, give him the first of your work day. Just before you turn on socials, before you uh, turn on the telly, before you read the news, before, maybe not before coffee, you might need coffee. I know some of you got young children, it won't work exactly, literally like this. But give him the first of your work day before you give your heart and attention to other things. Whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, but just opening his word. And letting him be the first thing on your mind and on your heart every day. Give him the first of your wallet. When Susan and I were engaged, she said to me, if we're going to get married, we're going to tithe. We're going to give the first 10% of our income to God. At that point, I was very tight and not generous, and I wasn't tithing. But I thought she was so hot, 
I was willing to pay the price. <laughs> That's how I started tithing. I've never missed a cent of it. Can I encourage you, young people in the room? Put him first in your wallet. Give him the first of your income. It's a joy to actually see his kingdom grow as you honour him with what he's given you. And thirdly, give him the first of your week. Give him Sunday. Come be part of a faith community. Plant yourself in the local church for your sake, for the sake of your children, for the sake of the generations to come. Be here on a Sunday to worship him, to give him glory and to spur one another on around you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Build a foundation of first at the end of this sermon. You know, Jesus says, don't build your house on the sandy land. Don't build it too near the shore. It might look kind of nice, but you'll have to build it twice or you'll have to build your house once. Build your house upon a rock, a firm foundation in a solid spot and storms will come and go. But the peace of God, you'll know. Seek first. Build foundations of first in the first half of your life. Number five, last one for the zero to fifties. Serve people in need and so generously into relationships. I'm actually really grateful to grow up in a church in Sydney that had a heart of compassion for broken uh, people locally, just poured out compassion on, uh, on the local community we're a part of. And I'm so grateful to have been part of this church family here at Gateway for the last 18 years with a heart of compassion for those locally and globally. The global heart of this church has transformed my life in the last 18 years, given me just incredible joy. Just, just one moment today. 2008, standing outside a brothel in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. We were there the first time to see whether it would work to uh, start a vocational training centre for girls rescued from trafficking. I got to the end of the week and I thought, no, I hardly know how to lead a church. How are we going to do this? I'm standing, sitting, sorry, in that tuk-tuk, just about to get back on a plane. I was saying goodbye to Nanita, who might come up on the screen. I just felt like God whispered to me in that moment, sitting in that tuk-tuk, do it for Nita. She's worth the effort. And to see what God has done through Bloom, transforming hundreds of girls' lives over the last 14 years, has been one of the great joys of my life, as together we serve people in need. Little heads up, this Christmas, this is exciting. We're going to give a gift this Christmas as a church to build a childcare centre at Bloom where little kids like the one in that photo will actually be safe, will learn about Jesus from a very young age and will never be trafficked. It's going to be generational change. I know we're going to give generously again to see that happen. You know why it brings so much joy? You know why so many of you are feeling joy in your heart right now? Because life's not about you. It's not about me. Philippians 2 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who laid down his life for us. 
do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I just talked to the blokes just for a minute in the first half of life. I know it's not just a bloke thing, but sometimes in the first half of life, you know, we, we can be all about selfish ambition, you know, striving for success. One of the th- wise things someone said to me the week before I started as senior pastor here at Gateway is put your family first. You don't want to be driving into this church in 10 and 20 years' time, big church, lots of people and lots of other people's families, and your kids don't want to bar of you and your kids don't want to be part of the church. Put them first. Such a joy for me to have my family, my growing family up here today. So into your relationships. Put, put your relationships, put your family before any other success. Serve people in need, so in relationships. Something practical you could do if you feel you need that change in your heart. Find someone to serve in our community who offers you nothing worldly in return. I promise you, you'll bless them, but it'll do your heart good. Okay, five, five principles for the first half uh, of life. I'm praying there might be something in there for the zero to 50s you're picking up today. Second half of life, 50 uh, to 100. I don't have a whole lot of experience following Jesus over 50. This is day one. You know, I'm just a few hours in. I'm not sure I've ever told you this before, but Susan is a little bit older than me. (laughs) It is like being married to a senior citizen. And and I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that she's gone ahead of me. And she's showing the way, you know, of how to follow Jesus, you know, over 50. Jesus, as he ascended to heaven, said to Peter, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Now this is Peter's story. Jesus is saying, you're going to be crucified like me but I still want you to follow me. That's not going to be our story. But there's something, there's some truth in this verse that I think is true for all of us. We start off first half of life full of potential and energy and freedom. But if we are blessed, and it is a blessing, if we are blessed to live a long and old life, there will be a time When somebody else will dress you and they'll lead you where you do not want to go. We've got to choose whether we're going to follow Jesus through those changes, through that pain, through those difficulties. Now, Tim Hanna, who was here at the 8 o'clock service, was a senior pastor before me here at Gateway, uh, wrote me a note in a book that the staff put together for my 50th uh, birthday. And he said a bunch of things, but I think this is where this message came from. He says, let me dispel a couple of myths. First myth, 50 is old. He says, total rubbish, don't believe it. Age is not defined in years, but in the mindset you take into those years. Myth number two, it's all downhill from here. More rubbish. He says, I think I've had the most effective years of life, faith, and ministry since I turned 50. Number three, Your body starts to slow down and gets its own moans and groans. Unfortunately, this is not a myth. (laughs) And is seemingly unavoidable. 
but keep exercising, it helps. So as I've looked at Tim, I've looked at a bunch of others in this second half of life, just uh, five things that I think are important for us, rules of life for the second half of following Jesus. Firstly, give extravagant grace. You know, Jesus' most famous parable is about the worst son in the history of the world. He says, Dad, I wish you were dead. I wanted your money. Took it all, squandered it all. And uh, when there was nothing left, he's eating with pigs. Worst possible thing a Jewish uh, boy could do. When he realized he was going to die, he turns back to home, about to beg his dad to become a slave because he could never be a son again. But you know the story. The father comes running. The father's been waiting wraps his arms around the wayward son, embraces him, kisses him, ring on the finger, robe on the back, shoes back on his feet, because that means you are not a slave, but you are a son. Big celebration. Son has come home. But the older brother who is out in the field, it says in Luke 15 that he refused to come in. He was angry. He says, Dad, I've been slaving for you and I've never been given a, a young goat to celebrate. But this wayward son of yours comes home and you kill the fattened calf and you throw a party. I reckon a bunch of us start in the first half of life feeling like the younger son. God, could you really love me this much? God, I do not deserve this kind of love. We start off identifying with the younger son. Unfortunately, if, as you've been following Jesus for a long time, one of the temptations is actually to start to identify with the older brother. I kind of got what I've got because I've worked for the reward. I deserved what I've got. Even getting a little frustrated, maybe at the next generation, who aren't doing things the way you think they should be done. But this is the point. As we get older, we're not supposed to start identifying with the older brother. Just thinking that, that if I do all the right things, I'll, I'll get what I deserve. What we're supposed to do as we get older is identify more and more with the loving father who opens his arms you know, to show extravagant grace, abundant blessing, and incredible patience. Give extravagant grace in the next season. How do we keep doing that? This is the only one that's the same. Keep gazing on the cross of Christ. It doesn't change. Throughout our lives, keep the cross central. This moment in history that transformed all of eternity. Keep gazing at the cross. Become more and more like that father. Show extravagant grace. Number two, turn your wounds into weapons. We all get some wounds. Life never turns out exactly as we hope. People that should have loved us hurt us. Along the way, we pick up some wounds. This is an x-ray of my 50-year-old insides. I'm not sure anyone came to church this morning and think, I'd really love to see the senior pastor's bladder, kidney, and liver. But there you go. You can see it. Apparently, it's healthy. A doctor can look at it and, and you can see what's wrong, determine what's wrong. But if we all had our x-ray up on the screen of our inner wounds, 
how we've been hurt, how our heart has been broken. A doctor couldn't read it and a doctor couldn't heal it. But God sees it. And he's the great physician. He's the great healer. I want to encourage you today that Jesus heals wounds and more than that, he turns wounds into weapons. That what has been used to hurt you can actually be turned around to be a blessing to others. Turn your wounds into weapons. It's exactly what Jesus did. Thomas says, I will not believe unless I see the holes in his hands and in his feet. And the greatest wounds, we've got to understand, this hurt more than anything else in history. The wounds in Jesus' hands and in his feet. Incredible pain. But he hangs on that cross and says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And then days later, he walks into that room with Thomas. And he says, put your finger. John chapter 20, put your finger in that hole in my hand. And Thomas puts his finger into Jesus' wounds. And he says, you are my Lord and my God. Unbelief became life-changing faith. Jesus turned his wounds into weapons. We're called to do the same thing. Whatever it is in your life that has wounded you, Jesus wants to heal you. And he wants to heal you in such a powerful way that, that what was once a deep wound will actually become a weapon to help others see the goodness and the grace of God. How do we do this? There's lots of ways to do this. I just want to say one thing today. There's someone that's hurt you. Choose to forgive. Just choose to forgive. Don't, don't let your wounds make you bitter. Make your wounds make you better and others around you better. That you're actually setting people free. Your testimony is setting people free from what once enslaved you. Don't let your wounds make you bitter, but better. Turn your wounds into weapons. Choose to forgive those who hurt you and bless them. This is a little more controversial. Don't shoot me down as a heretic. I don't have time to fully unpack it theological, but theologically. But some of you today, you actually need to choose to forgive God. It's not that God's done anything wrong. But life hasn't turned out quite as you'd hoped and you're wondering why God didn't come through. And at some point, it's all right to wrestle with God. The Bible's full of it in the Psalms. But at some point, you've got to say, it is well with my soul. Forgive God. Turn your wounds into weapons. Number three, I need to hurry. Intentional impartation into the next generation. I really identified with Timothy in the first half of my life. Yeah, young, timid, shy, feeling a little insecure in the call of God on my life. At times, I wanted to give up. Timothy needed Paul. Paul came along and said, whatever you do, don't give up. 
God's put power in you. He says this, 2 Timothy 1, he says, For this reason I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed. Do not give up of the testimony about our Lord or of me as prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. I've needed some Pauls in my life. My dad's here today. It's great to be able to honour him today. My, my dad just showed me growing up what it meant to be a servant leader, putting other people's needs first with a compassionate heart for those that he led. I really needed that growing up. But he also challenged me. I was working for him at 19. He came to me one day and said, stop fluffing around, get out of here and go and fulfil the call of God on your life. I needed him to challenge me. As I began just exploring ministry, there's a guy named Bruce who used to walk around this uh, broken community in Sydney with me and just begin to pray for people in need. He inspired in me a passion for the lost and for the broken. And he also challenged me. He made me step into ministry spaces I felt completely uncomfortable with. A few years later, there's another guy named Rick. As I was just beginning in pastoral ministry, and every second Wednesday, he used to take me to breakfast at McDonald's, and he'd buy me a, a coffee and a sausage McMuffin. I really wanted a bacon and egg McMuffin, but I was too timid at the time you know, to, to ask for it. So I ate sausage McMuffins for about three years and it wasn't very good for my health and the coffee wasn't very good but he helped me to become a healthy dad a healthy husband and a healthy pastor some Paul's in my life that I needed and some of you may not have had that experience but it doesn't mean you can't help somebody else experience that in the next generation intentional impartation into the next generation. Simple thing to do. This one's probably the easiest. Find someone in this room to mentor. Someone that's a little younger than you. Just so into their life. Encourage them, challenge them when they need it. Intentional impartation to the next generation. Number four, dig deeper wells. We don't know how old the woman at the well was, but we know she's old enough to have had five husbands and a new boyfriend. She's been around for a while. And she's still not satisfied. Now she's still searching for more. When Jesus comes along and meets her in the midday sun. Now the writer of Ecclesiastes says this. Everyone's toil is for their mouth. Yet their appetite is never satisfied. Another great poet said, I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> you try to find satisfaction in power, pleasure, sex, possessions. You're going to come up empty every time. Hopefully in the second half of our lives, we've worked that out. Jesus says to this woman, I've got living water to give you. And you'll never thirst again. It will well up within you. There'll be like water flowing within you and blessing others around you. And this woman's life was transformed. And she dug a deeper well. She began to drink of what God had for you. You've heard me say this a hundred times before. Practical thing. Second half of life. Dig deeper wells. Find your milk crate. 
Find your place to go where you just enjoy the presence of God. For me, it's in nature, alone on my own. Find out where it is for you to actually just drink all that God's got for you. Dig deeper wells. Lastly, stay faithful and finish well. Who here remembers Shamua? Who knows the old boy, Shaphat? Who remembers Igal or Palti or Gedil? Sounds like some of them were in the Lord of the Rings, but they're actually all in the Bible. What about Caleb? Remember Caleb? All of those names I just said at one point in history were chosen, set apart, anointed, appointed to usher the people of God into the blessing of God. There were 12 spies sent out at Kadesh Barnea to check out the promised land. This land that God said, I promise you, I'm going to give you cities to live in that you didn't build. I'm going to give you vineyards to pick from that you didn't plant. I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. And at 40 years of age, Caleb and all those others I just said went out to see if God was true to his word. And they came back and they said, God is true to his word. The land's flowing with milk and honey. The only problem is there's giants there. And we look like grasshoppers in their sight. We can't do it, said Shemua and Shaphat. But Caleb and Joshua said, come on, people, our God is with us. Our God is faithful. Our God can do anything. But you know what they did? They murmured and grumbled. Hey, come on, as we get old together, Let's not become murmurers and grumblers. They murmured and grumbled and they didn't enter into the promised land. And Shemua, Shaphat, Egal, and all their buddies missed out. They died wandering in the wilderness. They did not see the promises of God fulfilled. Except for Joshua and Caleb because they trusted in the promises of God. Joshua 14 this is 45 years later. Caleb's now 85 years old. He's been holding on to a prayer and a promise for 45 years. I love this little bit of Scripture. Listen to this. This is what he says. This is Caleb speaking. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I'll drive them out just as he said. 85 years old, he stands up, shoulders back. Give me that hill country. Give me that mountain. I know that God is faithful. I know that He'll come through on His promises. I've held on to that prayer. I've held on to that promise for 45 years. And I know 
God can still do it today. I want to be the faith of Caleb at 85 years of age. I want to hold on to that prayer of faith. And if you're here today and you've got a prayer that you've been praying for some time and maybe you've given up, maybe he's reminding you of it today, can I encourage you today? Stay faithful. Finish well. Pray that prayer until you see it happen. I'm going to be praying a prayer that says, I'm believing for revival in this nation, in this generation. I am not going to give up on that prayer till I see it happen. I don't know what your prayer is. I don't know what your prayer is for your family, for this church family, for this nation. Can I encourage you today? Stay faithful. Finish well. God, I want that mountain. I want that mountain. I'd love to pray a blessing on you. Both halves of life. If you're here today, zero to 50. And it's just something God's picked. You're just picking up today. So I'm, I'm taking hold of that in this half of life. I want to I make that part of who I am and the way I follow Jesus in this first half of life. You don't have to tell anyone what it is. If you've got something today, zero to 50, can I just get you to stand where you are? Can I just stand where you are? I want to pray a blessing over you. There's something you're just saying, I'm taking hold of that. I'm taking hold of that in my life. I'm taking hold of that in my family. Are you under 50, Rhett? Mate, you're looking, you're getting close. I'm looking forward to praying a blessing on you, mate. Anyone else? Okay, if you're over, we're going to go a bit over time. I'm going to ignore the clock again today. I'm sorry online. I hope you get to stay. I'm going to keep praying for you. Can I, if, if, can I get the over 50s to run around? and pray for the under 50s that are standing up right now. The under 50s should be standing up now. If you're over 50, just find someone. Quick, quick, quick. I know you're old, but quick. Come on, just find someone. Just put a, put a hand on their shoulder. Come on, don't let anyone stand alone. Look around. Look around. Find someone. Find someone. Just put a hand on their shoulder. Just, just start to pray. I'm going to pray, but you pray whatever God puts in your heart. Father God, just thank you. I thank you for this generation. I thank you. I thank you for their heart for you. I thank you for the passions that they've put in their heart. I thank you for the dreams and visions that you've given them. God, I thank you for your power at work within them. God, would you fan it into flame today? Come on, come, Holy Spirit, just fan into flame the gifts within them to serve you, to serve you in their family, in this church family, to to actually be part of seeing your purposes fulfilled. God, I pray for strong foundations to be built today. Would you build strong foundations in their life? There'll be foundations that wouldn't just bless them, it wouldn't just bless the next generation, that it would bless generations to come. God, that they would stand firm in their faith through every season. God, pour out a blessing on them today. Come on, just quickly, play a real quick blessing if you're with them. Ask for God's power to fill them. Pray for all you guys online too. All you under 50s standing up somewhere right now. God, God, I pray they'd know your presence right now. Fill them with power right now. Reveal purpose, I pray in Jesus' name. I know some of you are still praying, but can I just get you to grab a seat? Maybe just keep praying while you sit. 
Okay, I'd love the old people to stand. The 50 to 100s. I'm with you today. If you got something you're saying, I'm putting that into place in my life, in the second half of my life. I want to be following Jesus like that. You just got something to, to take hold of. Come on, if you're over 50, come on, let's get you to stand right now. Come on, 50 to 100s. Just stand where you are. You got something you're taking hold of, put into practice. Come on, young people, you should be faster. Run around. Just put a hand on their shoulder. Just begin to pray. Come on. Find someone. Run. Don't leave anyone standing alone. Run around. Find someone to stand with. Father God, I pray for perseverance to keep running the race. I pray for strength to never give up. God, I pray for a a perseverance in prayer until they see it happen. God, I pray a blessing over families, blessing over generation to generation. May generational curses be broken and may generational blessings flow. We ask in Jesus' name. Come on, just just pray. Pray a quick blessing over the old people that you're standing with. Father, once again, I just pray for those online. God, would you, would you strengthen weary bones today? Would you fill empty hearts? God, I pray for an overflow, an overflow of your spirit. I ask in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. More of you, God. More of you. May we not be satisfied with what we know of you up until this point, but may we be a generation that just longs for a powerful move of your Holy Spirit through this nation, longs to see you come and do and fulfill the dreams that you've placed in our heart. God, that we would not give up. I pray for prodigals to come home. I pray for whole families to be redeemed. I ask for healing in body, mind, and spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said? Hey, come on, let's stand together. I know we're over time, but this song, this has been my song in season. It's a great song. It says, one day, death will be no more. Stand here. Can I hear a woohoo? One day, death will be no more. Standing face to face with the one who died and rose again, we are going to sing, holy, holy is the Lord. Worthy is the Lamb. We're going to stand together with 10,000, thousands of generations declaring the faithfulness of God. Let's lift our hands and do it together today. And mercy fills the streets To look upon the one who bled to save me And walk with him for all eternity Oh, there will be a day when all bow before 
yesterday, today, and forever. You believe that? He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. There's no less days to sing God's praise than when they first began. Hey, if you'd like prayer about anything this morning, we've got a prayer team and a pastoral team down the front here. Love to pray for you. Love to stand with you. Just ask God's blessing over you. Have a great week. See you next Sunday. God bless. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.